Welcome back to the Hoops Temple podcast. You all know me. I'm Nathan Schwartz. Joining me from Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. Good to see you guys. Good afternoon. And joining us from New Zealand, Dylan Williamson. Good morning, gentlemen. Guys, we had a good discussion today. There's been some NBA news. We take some questions from the listeners. This was good talk. I think it's a perfect intro. (laughs) You can keep that part in where I say I think it was a perfect (laughs) intro. Guys, we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. There's been uh, some some pretty world shaking, world shattering news as a beloved leader has announced that we'll be having a midseason tournament. <laughs> it's Adam Silver, most powerful yeah. man in the world. Yeah, he has truly colonized the game. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, is that close <laughs> enough to a British royalty reference? Or? Uh, I think it's perfect. That's a, I, I love the, the preparation. I haven't seen much details on it, but in your guys' minds, unless you guys have details on what the pre-slash-mid-season tournament's going to be, what do you hope it is? Yeah, so it, it seems like details on what the actual, like, what are they playing for is kind of hard to find if anything is out. My idea was... You go like really hard on it. And do you remember like back in not that long ago, a few years ago when divisions still mattered? And if you Mm -hmm. won your division, you were guaranteed top four seed. Like Mm -hmm. even if you're the seventh best team in your conference, if you're the best in your division, you get a top four seed. And so I think they should do that with the play-in tournament. Just if you win the play-in tournament, guaranteed, no matter what, you're a top four seed. If you're the ninth best team in in the conference, you're the four seed. I love it. And then that could get really wild for like some of these like lower end, but you know, kind of like feisty single game teams. You know, like if Atlanta can just get hot and then all of a sudden they're the four seed when they're the ninth best team in the conference. Do you have any fear that Kawhi just like goes all out for this tournament, wins it, and then just like, all right, guys, see you in April? Hamstrings <laughs> bothering me. That's another incentive. Yeah, there's the upside for good teams. It's like, okay, we go all out, we win this tournament, and we can like take it pretty easy because we don't have to worry about seeding for the rest of the year. Man, Dylan figured it out. This is the end of the podcast. I'll see <laughs> you guys. <laughs> this was another episode of the Hoops Temple Podcast. <laughs> I mean, because like the other prizes that they're doing is like, you know, cash prizes for the players or like, you know, there's been the idea of draft picks for the organization, but there's like nothing really that lines up why like the organization and the players would want to both really go for it. And I think that playoff seeding is something that the the organization and the players are really going to want. And if you can guarantee not just like a locked in playoff spot, but like top four seed, then especially for like, I mean, everyone's going to go for it. Imagine like if, you know, OKC just gets hot for a few games and all of a sudden they're the four seed. And it just, you know, changes everything. You know, SGA just goes for 50 in the in the, in the the tournament and all of a sudden OKC's the four seed. Poku just balling out. Exactly. I think that'd be so awesome. And it'd be so interesting too because, like, that's the whole point of this is that, like, half of the games now because the schedule's so long and teams are, like, trying to rest players or teams are tanking. Like, half of the games in the NBA don't even feel like they matter. Like, no one really cares about half the games. And so this the idea behind this is just to make 
the season actually have drama and be interesting. And I feel like that would really happen if we get this sort of crazy Dame Lillard going for 50 every game to try to lock in a four seed. There was a pro basketball league in the 30s that season split. And I forget why it split. Um, but like the first 30 games would be played and whoever had the best record at the end of those 30 games and would be automatically advanced to the finals. And then they do oh, the wow. second 30 games. And whoever was the best of those 30 games would go to the finals and they would just play each other. But it was like this hard reset. And I think if you won and you were the best team over both 30 games fans, you just won. Nice. They should have that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck the playoffs. Straight to the finals. That actually would that, that would make the regular season interesting as well. Just cancel the cancel the playoffs and it's just no but you know, you gotta win every single game. Every single game that is. Yeah, a little off topic, but that's something about earlier 50s and 60s basketball that some people kind of miss is the regular season was very important because there were so few rounds and getting a higher seed is really important. You got to bring that back. I'm going to plug it again, but I just did a whole piece on the first season of the BAA and the way that those playoffs worked was the one seed from each conference played each other in best of seven seeds three and four of the same conference played each other and the winner advanced to play seed two and they played each other and the winner of the two, three, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was like all of the, the same conference. And it was just like, you had to like fight your way up. So the four seed had to like beat the three seed. Yeah. You got to like get to the end to get to the boss battle. And then you've like (laughs) playing the one seed. Yeah. And then of course, one of the refs in early NBA history had put like a lot of money on one team and, helped the Warriors win. Classic Warriors. Can I read the Shams tweet about the framework for the in-season tournament? Sure. So it says, Cup games through November. Eight teams advanced to single elimination final in December. Other 22 continue with regular season. All game is part of normal 82-game schedule, one extra for two final teams. Now, I'm not sure who is participating in the in-season tournament. Is it everybody? Sounds like everybody. I think so. Sounds like everybody, but then you... Yeah, but then eight teams make the single elimination. I'm also not sure how they're going to schedule that. Once the 22 teams continue, I guess those 22 teams are not going to be playing the eight teams left. Yeah, it's it's a little clunky. I mean, it does sound like this is not happening this season, but the following season, which will be after we have Vegas and Seattle joining us. Ooh. And I heard like a solid pitch, which was, hey, instead of going east west um like let's let's go three divisions um and then what you can do is you can have everyone play your inner division teams four times and the other two teams or other divisions is like either two or three maybe you have to play your own inner division you play your own inner division more um so you can build up some of these regional rivalries and my thought is like hey let's have this group play just be inner division so like the lakers have to play like the mm. Clippers twice, and they have to play yeah, the Warriors twice, and then it, it creates a lopsided schedule, but it does force you to have a lot of games that matter early on against your in interdivision rivals, and maybe build up some actual rivalries. I love that idea. Um, that's, that's a pretty intense idea, but at the same time, rivalries are just gone in the nba in a yeah. sense of what rivalries have always been in the nba is who are the two best teams and are they playing each other it's it's the Cavs and golden state it's kind of all we have left or all we had recently and i think getting some geographical rivalries would be just so so good for the sport and i also am in favor for that even though it's an intense change i want to change the sport because the only thing that's going to make these things stick is tradition 
in, implement them, stick to it, in 15 years, no one's even going to think about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a World Cup kind of like pool stage thing, except your pools are fixed and it's your division. And you get like that cool kind of thing that certain football leagues have where there's like, you know, you there are, it's not just one championship, but there's like different cups. And so like you have your little divisional tournament and then like you're the, you know, Pacific division champion. You get a little, you know, ceremony, a little little trophy. Clippers can finally put something in the, the trophy cabinet. <laughs> if they can beat the Lakers and Warriors and Suns. And the Kings. Um, I feel like <laughs> the Kings will be there. Now... <laughs> I, when, when the when the playing tournament started, there's a lot of griping and moaning about changing the system and all that. But but what makes players respect things like this is something to play for and the tradition of it. And if there's playoffs on the line, obviously you take the play-in really seriously. You, as as you saw Patrick Beverly last season on the scorers table, like he won the championship. And then with repeated you know repeated years you're gonna see that tradition implemented everyone knows what the plan is and you're not even gonna second guess that and like let's put the in-season tournament in make it a really cool thing and let's go with it i played high school basketball in michigan and there was this preseason tournament that we always would go to um, and one of the things that got everyone so hype about this preseason tournament was that whoever had won that tournament ended up winning the state title like eight out of the past nine years or something and it kind of is a remark on how terrible coaching was that we could show up fresh off of summer and whoever wins that ends up winning. <laughs> it's not like coaches did a lot to really improve of us or any tactical strategy changes here. But <laughs> like you best believe we came into that season hyped and like ready and, you know, hey, there wasn't like, ah, we'll work our way into shape. It was all right. Well, whoever wins this wins it. So let's let's get this going. Yeah, and that'd be kind of a cool thing too. Like, you know, like I think teams would care about it if it's like in addition to like a championship. Like if you're in your championship parade and you've got like the the LOB, but then you've also got like the mid-season tournament like trophy, like those in like conjunction sort of adds extra gravitas. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, we are the best team this season and we always fucking were. It's like when someone tries to say a guy had a clean sweep on MVPs because he won all-star game MVP regular season MVP yeah, and finals fine. MVP. It's like, those those don't all, all matter the same, but like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool that you well, get like the you, sweep. You get the triple crown. You um have the best regular season record. You win the mid-season tournament and you win the championship. Yeah. Like you do all those. You're like, you know, it's a, it's a level of domination. So I, I think you offered the best possible reward for this. I, I wonder if fourth seed is too high. How would you feel if it's just like an automatic playoff berth? Um, but they're not, yeah, I mean, that's sort of more likely. That's one of the, you know, sort of um, ideas that have been seriously discussed um, reportedly. But like, I mean, do, you know, like the top six teams, they are pretty confident that they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And so it's like, why do those teams really care? Um, and then you can say, well, then it just becomes like a really awesome tournament for like seven through, you know, 11 you know, all these sort of lower end teams are just playing super hard and it's something for them to play for. But typically the best teams in the league have the best players and that's what, you know, makes things interesting. We want to see, you know, Giannis versus Steph and Luca versus, you know, whoever we don't want to see. It still would be nice injury like insurance. Like the year that Curry got hurt early on, the bubble year that they end up restarting, they're like Golden State was like, "No, nah, we we don't really want to come back." But if Golden State had won the bubble t- or the the midseason tournament, got their playoff lock, you know, I'm t- just 
to spitball on. I don't think it's the mm. worst. Yeah, um, I think it's I think how, it's more likely, but I do think it's less interesting. How about a draft pick? How high of a draft pick would it have to be to be worthwhile? And how how high is too high? And that's sort of where you get back into getting the organization and the players to care about it. Because realistically, like players probably don't want you getting extra draft picks. Like if I'm a role player on a on a pretty good team, I don't want them to be bringing in some high draft pick. Like, why would I care about draft picks? That's what I was thinking. They're like, someone to take my job? I'd- because you can trade them. Yeah. And maybe. And getting players to care is always kind of one of the, the first thoughts I had. Mark Cuban came out and said, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard about it saying he could see the Mavs either not participating or resting their best players, which clearly he doesn't know what this is because they're still regular season games. I guess he just wants to forfeit, you know, eight games yeah. in the middle of the season, but go for it, I guess. And yeah, like that's, that's the trouble if you get uh, particularly like the organization not caring, you know, like if the reward is like every player gets a million dollars and it's like, well, do I really want to put, my star player out there against this other team that's playing really hard because they want to get that cash or should I just rest them? It's still a regular season game, though. It still matters. Yeah, but I mean, like, you're, you're resting your players in regular season games anyway. And so you just pick these ones, which are super, you know, going to be super competitive and super, you know, physical in theory. And so, I would throw in the, the top four seed. Just do it. Make it the most yeah. important thing in basketball. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like super hectic, but like... I don't think it's it's you know that terrible. Even if like a team that is you know like I said, if like the eight seed is the four seed, like that's not the end of the world. Until it's your team getting hurt. Yeah, yeah and until the Clippers are playing the you know whoever in the first round, and with you know we're the fourth best team in the by record, but we're the fifth seed and they have to go on the road. Hey, as long as we can also bring in that the top seeds get to choose their opponent. That that's just what I want to have happen. I don't want any of this like. Ah, maybe if I tank down from here to the... No, top seeds pick their opponent. You win more games, you get better results. That's just how it should be. I kind of agree. I, I, maybe I don't like basketball, but I just, I love <laughs> these huge over, these overhauling changes to what we have right now. Um, it's a pretty insane idea, but at the end of the season, every team is just kind of jostling for like a good road to the finals, essentially. But I think that the top seed should be able to say like, I want this guy. And that would also lead to just hilarious times where the team picks the team that beats them. And at the same time, imagine you are the sixth seed and they're like, they picked us? Are you kidding me? Yeah, like that kind of already does happen, but it's through like intentionally losing games. And uh, I can't remember who it was, but I feel like there was a situation where maybe it was like the Clippers picked the Nuggets and then the Nuggets beat them. Like they lost a couple games that they get on that side of the bracket and then you know, Jokic destroyed them, like that sort of thing. But like, it's more explicit. It's like, yes, we want to take you because we think we can beat you. And then you get stomped. Like Patrick Beverly would never shut up about that if someone picked the Lakers and then they won. The The NBA does have this rule in the G League because players are getting pulled up and pushed down. So they allow the highest seed to pick its opponent from, you know, I don't know if they do eight team or however many team playoffs, but I really like it because you could also just say, hey, Clippers choose the Lakers because they don't want to travel. And it's just like mm. a pure, tr- they're like, 
travel thing of, hey, we don't want to do this. Or like, let's say, let's say Minnesota has just an amazing regular season. They win the most games and the eighth seed was going to be Portland. And they're like, I don't want to do this. Like Portland, you know, screw it. Give us Memphis. Like, I don't know. I just, I kind of, I want to see this. Also, the timing up of it wouldn't just be the best teams. It also maybe a team gets into the playoffs, but their star player is out. And then you can just pick those guys instead of everyone trying to jostle around and get the team who's missing their players. Basically, I want the NBA playoffs to suck in the first round and be better in later rounds. Like I I was doing a TikTok on Tracy McGrady because I still have vivid memories of his 05 playoff first round matchup against the Mavericks. Um, because him and Dirk were just going at it, and Tracy is defending Dirk for some reason. Um, and it, it was just a fantastic, fantastic series. I don't want that to happen in the first round. I want that to happen in the second round. So, like, let's get get all the feeder competition out of the way, and let's let's go for it. Adam Silver should call us. He should listen to this podcast. <laughs> Amen. We have so many ideas. Yeah. While we're throwing out ideas on how to improve the playoffs, um, how do you guys feel about shortening the first round? So instead of seven, you drop it to five or maybe even three games. And then if it's if it's not competitive, you get it over with quicker. And if it is competitive, you add some, you know, more, you know, more excitement, more stakes. It's like win this and you're through. Also gives potential for bigger upsets, which is, you know, more excitement. I think Daryl Morey has, has suggested that. I'm going to say this. I don't like upsets. Mm. Yeah, that's the downside. <laughs> yeah, you want the best teams. It's unpopular, but like I'd rather not have the team that got randomly hot from three win a game or like win a series because they got hot for two or three games and and then like they just bomb. Um, Like that's in in essence why I don't like single elimination tournaments because they don't actually tell me who's better, who's best, which is you kind of had a good game. But I would like three and oh, you're done. Just if, if in the first round. If one team wins the first three games, you don't get a fourth game. I've never heard that idea, but I, I really like it. You guys should start just going off the rails with these ideas and see how far along I go. Like, oh, no, I think it is a good idea. Well, so I, I, pl- I play Ultimate Frisbee with the group of guys. Um, it used to be a much better game. Now we're in our 30s and like the joints aren't what they were. Um, but we let the disc decide teams. We flip it. And like, if there's 10 of us here, the first five that flip the same thing, they're one team, everyone else is the other team. Um, And and we get some really lopsided games because like some of us are still athletic. Some of us are not. Um, Some of us are like the younger brothers of guys. And so they're like in college and still haven't discovered alcohol yet. If one team scores the first five points of the game, we usually play to seven. We're just like, cool, the game's done. We got skunked. We're it's like a mercy rule. Let's let's pick this up. and Let's have another game. And I just, hey, if you're down 3-0, there's no point in playing the fourth game. And the lower seed, hey, sucks to suck, but you don't get that game for home revenue. Another idea would be if the higher seed is up 3-0, it's done, which adds more incentive to be a higher seed. Mm. So you don't get the mercy rule if you're the lower seed. Yeah. Check me out. Just jumping in with the craziness. Yeah. And they should replace the basketball with the beach ball and just say fuck it <laughs> and just bat it around in the air you know what and then you, you put little four point zones out there yeah oh no that ice let, let's an ice cube run this league too actually what i really want is that old nba 2k or no it's uh nba jam where they had an arcade mode 
will randomly like one spot will glow on the court and be worth like 15 points <laughs> we have little trap doors that open up on the court and just swallow <laughs> players alive they never come back it's basically like it's basically like Mario Party. <laughs> Watch stuff about Rome recently. You know, what if we just let a lion in there? Just just see what happens. <laughs> All right. We have gone far too off the rails. No, no, no. They- we went the right part off the rails because I got to bring up Rome, which yeah. is my segue to the NBA's announced expansion. There is definitely gonna be Seattle Supersonics. If there's not the Seattle Supersonics, we will riot. But there's also probably going to be a team in Vegas. Yeah, I've suggested a number of names on TikTok, including the Legion or Legionnaires. There's after you know Rome, Caesar's Palace, uh, the Scorpions, the Knights. I'm told that's their NHL team. So good, good job. You already took that one, Vegas. Um, someone suggested the Jacks, which I thought was good. You know, plays with the Aces. Um, I, I suggested the show. I kind of, I really like the show. The more I, I think about it. I love it, the show. We Nate mentioned the show to me and I'm all in on this show. I also, I don't like the Jax idea because teenage boys are going to make fun of that just immediately. There's no way that isn't just immediately packaged up and just ruined. <laughs> As a fan of Sacktown, you think teenage boys are going to make fun of Jax? <laughs> they would definitely make fun of Jacks, because <laughs> Sacktown's like a nickname. You have to go another uh, another step. If they just are the Las Vegas Jacks, it's gonna be it's gonna be chaos. Cream City. All right, we can uh, <laughs> we can take a, <laughs> we're gonna take a break here at the Hoopstone Podcast. Like yell at me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Any of these names jump out to you, Dylan? You got any ideas for Vegas? I don't know. I feel like team names like all kind of suck. Like, there's not really anything that's, like, actually, like, an awesome name. And then you just sort of get used to it. I like the Pelicans when that was when they got their new name. It's like, man, that's a terrible name. You kind of get it's used to it. So it was Miami Heat. Like, that, like, when you first hear that, it's like, that's a stupid name. But, like, that's a that's a cool name now, you know? You, you kind of get brought around. And so whatever it is, I think it's going to suck at first, and then it will, it'll be fine. The only thing that makes things cool is tradition like that. People get used to it. God. Next week, we should just rank the team names. Just how much do they suck? That's yeah. a great idea. I love it. Like the Knickerbockers, which is the true full yeah, name of the Knicks. Really enunciate on that name. <laughs> really the, the Knickerbockers. the case sound. Be very careful. It's a silent K. <laughs> it's not. Oh, and the second just, K. Just yeah. saying, be careful. Just let's yeah. take it easy well, then, on that. They are named after Father Knickerbocker. Is that that good enunciation? That's good, yeah. Uh, who's like a Dutch settler that apparently they named their first pro baseball team after. It was the Knickerbocker Nine. Like, it's not a I good name. Cool. I think it's a good name because it's like enriched yeah. with tradition. Yeah. Those those are the best names when it's like actually meaningful. At least it's not like named after like a, ge- like a geological thing that isn't even in that city. Yeah. Or like the the jazz, like Memphis jazz. That's a cool name. Utah jazz, terrible name. They, were the, they should have been the New Orleans jazz. How dumb can we be? How, how have they not flipped they that were. in the same way the Hornets? And I'm saying they were, and they still should be because the Utah jazz makes no sense. Um, New Orleans. I mean, they, are there Pelicans in Utah? Because they've really got to work on that on the business <laughs> side to flip those around. Yeah, there are Pelicans, but 
it's maybe, just maybe this is the this is the chance for Utah. They're going through a big reset. Fix your stupid name. You know, you're rebuilding well, your you know rebrand. I forget what the the name was, but they have like a werewolf type creature that's like really low. Like I didn't know what it was. I had to Google it. Um, but it's part of a, a lot of folklore around New Orleans, and it's like special and cool. And I'm like, oh, that is actually like a, a half decent name. Like if it was the New Orleans Werewolves, and there's like history, cool. That that actually, yeah. Be, you know, exactly. I don't know what you rename the Lakers. Just Showtime. Yeah, L.A. Showtime doesn't ring. Los Angeles Showtime. No, but <laughs> guys, we're getting expansion. Last time we had expansion was the Bobcats, which are now. The Hornets again was not good. Uh, they got the number two draft pick and they had to choose from everyone's 11th through 13th men. Like you got to protect 10 players. I don't know how they're going to do it with these upcoming teams. Um, but are you guys pro expansion, anti expansion, want more expansion, European expansion? Where are we at as far as expansion fans? I'm so pro expansion. I feel like the league is just so talented. You could easily support probably more than two teams. And we're going to be looking to do it again. What it takes to be good right now is insane. If you go back when this expansion happened in 2005, you could make the playoffs with like one all-star. Like, yeah, he was pretty good that year. And he won 45 games. It's not happening Mm -hmm. now. And I think... I kind of like that style of basketball where you can't just have one guy or just two guys and be really good. You don't have to just nail every, you don't have to make every perfect draft pick and every free agent. You can be just okay. And maybe that's the Kings fan talking, but um, I like that idea. Lowering the bar. You, you said that the league is like so talented and it's not just the league. Like there are a bunch of really good European basketball players as well, which we're seeing at at um, the Eurobasket tournament at the moment. And there are like American guys in Europe as well that I like NBA caliber, but, you know, it's just do you want to be the 10th man in the NBA or the, you know, ninth man in the NBA or, or the, you know, number one option in Europe? Um, and so, like, if you're able to get those guys back across with the, you know, more money and bigger role, um, you know, there's definitely enough talent. Another thing we're looking at is the Memphis to the east and then either the pelicans or the timberwolves as well which are so hardcore western conference teams in my mind but geographically there i think i've said geographically like 15 times this pod not really sure where that keeps coming up so someone pointed something out we're all doing this wrong if we add two teams to the west they go up to 17 you only need to move one team over to make it 16 16 yeah i because i was talking about this too like minnesota is not the farthest east but they're kind of on an island, and so they're my pick. And I was like, yeah, let's move Minnesota and Memphis. You know, New Orleans is touching Texas. Like, they're actually pretty close to the Texas teams. But if we only get to move one, Memphis and Minnesota both have, like, a pretty strong case to move to the east. I'm bummed that the West isn't losing two insanely stacked teams, but I'll take the two expansion teams at the bottom. I also think that the play-in will make more sense with these extra teams in these conferences because being like the 10th seed, actually, you know, you have to be one of the, it's not just that two-thirds of the league getting it anymore. It's a little bit better. Like the dominoes, are, you know, the blocks are stacking up. It makes sense where they're going with this. Yeah. And then we can get a Louisville team and move, you know, Memphis or Minnesota right back to the West. They should. What did you just send us? To <laughs> what is that? I, I love. There's, there's a name. I'm pretty for, sure that's his butt. 
there's a name for like creatures. I'm forgetting the like 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 urban legend creatures. The European ones, I don't know what it's like in New Zealand, but European ones are like there's an elf that goes down your chimney and it, it gives you presents under your bed. But the ones in America are like it is a deer werewolf mix that eats your babies if you don't like if you stay up too late at night. They're just demonic in this side of the, <laughs> this side of the world. On another note, can I read the 2005 Bobcats roster? Because they're horrible. And for that reason, I, I really feel like... Do you want to give us their win total before you read that roster? It's 18 wins. And, and the thing is, they've lucked out because they they hit on Gerald Wallace. And Gerald Wallace is a really good player, took him from the Kings. And um, that year, Wallace was uh, he was 22, and he was their best defensive wing, and he was really good. Um, and they still had a Mecca Okafor, and they still won 18 games. Um I think was a ten protect was it eight protected in this expansion draft. I think they should really lower that for this one. I think the expansion teams really get to pick from like your seventh or eighth or even sixth guys. I just know the Lakers won't be protecting Russell Westbrook, so <laughs> that could kind of be good. Like you, you steal Russell Westbrook and then like you know you let him do his thing and it's exciting and you're kind of interesting and you know you suck, but. At least you've got a, an identity right off the bat. Not to derail us too far, and I still want to read this roster. Mm-hmm. Dylan, I made a few videos on TikTok saying that Russell Westbrook's one of the worst players in the league, and there's really no he spot did. for him in the in the NBA yet. And I, then I listed 100 players I'd rather have over him. How do you yeah. feel about that? That's 100% correct. I saw someone like arguing that Jakob Prudel is worse than Russell Westbrook. It's like, no, yeah. Jakob Prudel's a really good defensive player. <laughs> I made a I made a video on just that saying no Jakob Pertl is can rebound and defend the rim and what does Russell Westbrook do? Yeah, I mean we did I, our we did our top one hundred. I don't think he was in there. No, I just I didn't. I want to know how far you would go. Is he top two hundred? Yeah, he's probably top two hundred. I top two hundred. I mean, I think if he were to be selected by an expansion team that played this upcoming season, like there's he could be top fifty still yeah. in that role. He could like get a triple double and be the best player on a thirty-five win team. Yeah, it's just you don't want that. You don't yeah. want the yeah. mediocrity that comes with Westbrook yeah. because none of your other players are going to develop. None of you're not going far. Maybe you do with expansion. The reason that he can't get a job is because every team has like a point guard that's better than him. Yeah. And you add extra extra slots, then all of a sudden, you know, there are 30 good starting point guards in the NBA. Are there 32? We'll see. Maybe not. Um, before you read the list, and I know you keep saying and you're going to, but I, I pulled up the expansion rules, which were that teams could protect up to eight players. And if teams did not have eight players under contract, they had to designate one player that could be taken, Ooh. which is interesting because the Lakers roster could be just LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you better give Stanley Johnson an extension. We traded him. He's gone. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> So that, and then the Bobcats could only take one player per team. So mm. a team like the Thunder that might have a lot of young prospects, it can only protect eight of them. Yeah. Couldn't have multiple pilfered. But yeah. now please go ahead and read the list of who they got. All right. I'm going to do this by total, organized by total minutes played. Starting the top, it is Emeka Okafor. After that, it is a European guy that I cannot pronounce. I'm going to click on his name. As a Prisbilic? No, no, I know that guy. This is uh, Primoz Britic. We're going to go with that. That's what the best reference says. It is P-R-I-M-O-Z with a little, little, little accent on it, and then B-R-E-Z-E-C. 
That guy was second in minutes on the Bobcats. Gerald Wallace, Brevin Knight, Jason Hart, Keith Bogans, Melvin Ellie, Jason Capono, Cream Rush, Steve Smith, 35-year-old Steve Smith is on this team. I have no God, idea why a, they took him. That's such a terrible way to end your career. I don't think yeah. he's I don't think he's done. I think he plays a little bit longer. No, he's done. He gets <laughs> traded. <laughs> he gets he gets traded to Miami. He plays 13 games in Miami after getting traded. Just imagine like, like like they snag PJ Tucker or something. <laughs> if you're just like what the fuck <laughs> what's the point of this um theron smith matt carroll jamal sampson bernard robinson eddie house shady house malik allen Corey alexander uh jahidi white and tamar slay there, there's basically nobody and i really feel like they should just allow teams do you how do you guys feel about allowing teams to protect six players yeah i mean i think what i took away from how bad that roster is and the fact that the Bobcats slash Hornets have never been a good team, never been like a serious team like since they entered the league. I think the takeaway from that is that you've got to do something better for these expansion teams because like the Hornets have never been good their entire history. You're starting out from such a low level. Um, it's too hard to build up from Amika Okafor and, you know, some Slovenian guy whose name no one can say. I, so I have a slightly different take, which is that, Michael Jordan is just a terrible owner. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing is why I'm theoretically very in favor of expansion but could actually be opposed is, uh, you know, I believe that ownership is the biggest influence of how you are as a franchise and how you are as a team. Like it's the biggest competitive advantage in the league. Um, so I want more good teams with good owners that are going to pay luxury tax and set good culture and hire good people and have good processes. Like I want more Steve Ballmers, but if the, if it's gonna be bringing in, you know, more Michael Jordans, um, then I don't want that. I don't want more poorly run teams. I don't want more bad franchises. I want more good franchises. I want more bad franchises for my team. <laughs> and if these teams are good, then the Kings are never making the playoffs. You tell me you're gonna have two more well run teams. We're never making it. So uh, here are the draft picks up until they get Kemba Walker. With the second pick, they choose Emeka Okafor. Not really other good picks. Like Dwight went one. Iguodala went nine. Josh Smith, 17. Like, okay. It's a bad draft. Bad draft. Uh, The next year, with number five, they choose Raymond Felton. Kind of also not their fault. I mean, Chris Paul and Darren Williams went three, four. So they chose the third point guard. Um, But the guys afterwards are Martel Webster, Charlie Villanueva. They're driving Raymond Felton into the ground. He's he's playing like 37 minutes a game for these Bobcat teams. They are just the the workload they're giving Raymond is just unbelievable. Yeah, and you can you see reasonably quickly um, if they had bad lottery luck, like they had the fifth pick, were they the fifth worst team? Because if like the lottery odds are different now, so like how different would they be if they just got Chris Paul? I think they did have bad lottery luck, but not just not necessarily in the sense that like the balls bounced the wrong way, but just like it looks like if it's a two person draft, they drafted three. Pick the third pick, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it's a four person draft, they get Raymond Felton. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the Knicks thing of like, uh, well, we just just picked one off because um, yeah, after the 05 season, they are this tied for the second worst team. 
Um, and then the sixth draft, yeah, 2006, they get uh, the third pick, which they choose Adam Morrison. Okay. <laughs> that one we can blame on them. Um, to be fair, the next guy picked was Tyrus Thomas, then Sheldon Williams. Brandon Roy at six. Like, you probably should have chosen Roy, but it, it's not a great draft. Mm. 2007, they get the eighth pick and choose Brandon Wright right before Joakim Noah. Uh, 2008, they get the ninth pick and choose DJ Augustine right before the Nets take Brooke Lopez, who would become the all-time franchise leader for Brooklyn Nets in points scored. Still a weird fact, but it's true. Uh, And then in 2012, they choose Gerald Henderson at the 12th pick. No, No one really great, but like, you have to get a good player at some point in this, or you're just going to be a crappy franchise. You went 04, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09. That's six years and drafted a backup point guard. And Raymond Felton is probably your best player. Backup point guard. He's playing 40 minutes a game. He's starting <laughs> name. He should be a backup point guard. Did he make an all-star team at some point? No. <laughs> You should have. <laughs> You're very confident in that. No. <laughs> Let's see here. Fell undrafted in 06. No, no all-star games. Had a half a season in New York where he averaged 17 points and nine assists, which is better than I expected. So that's, that's fringe all-star? Fringe all-star. It's a half a season. How many minutes is he playing a game that year for the next? Uh, 30, 38.4. Yeah. Jeez, man. Who knew Raymond Felton's stamina was just yeah. tip top? How, how does he like stay so overweight while playing 40 minutes a game? I mean, I think oh, that's probably goodness. how he got overweight is they just stopped playing him 40 minutes a game. And, you know, <laughs> as soon as those minutes start to dip down, boom. From 2006's rookie season to... 2014, he's playing 34.4 minutes a game. That's enough Raymond Felton talk. For the expansion, <laughs> for the expansion, I think they do have to do more. I think protecting six players is as far as they should go, and I think throw them in with the same lottery odds as the worst three teams in the league and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like you've I don't know if there are like any perfect ideas. Like I think my my uh, midseason tournament idea is is a pretty great idea, but I don't think there's any like great expansion ideas like absolutely give them the bit you know tied for best lottery odds see how the the ping pong balls fall um protect fewer players the hard part too with all of this is it's the nba it's the other owners that have to agree on the rules like the owners make the rules and so if you know you've got to convince these owners that their shitty team drops down the lottery odds and that their good players are going to get taken away. Like you've got to convince them of this. And that's really hard to do. It's, it's like the, you know, we're about to have another huge cap spike that's going to screw up all the contracts. And like everyone knows that it's bad, but you've got to get the players to agree not to take all the money and they're just not going to do that. And so you're going to have this cap spike that's bad for the league. And you're going to sort of going to get the same thing with the owners where the owners have to agree to allow these expansion teams to be good, but it's not in their best interest for them to be good. That's true. Well, another thing that they did that handicapped the Bobcats was the Bobcats were only allowed to use 66% of the salary the first year and then like 78 the second year. So they couldn't go sign a bunch of people, which... In the NBA now, like contracts are so short term that if you just allow them to come in and pay the normal salaries, like 
screw it. Don't even yeah. do expansion draft. Just let them sign from the free agent pool and let them have an open cap space, and they could be halfway decent. Yeah, I mean, uh, is are those teams going to come in like right at the cap spike so like they could have like crazy salary cap space? Just sign every good free agent. But again, it's like the hard thing is you're convincing your free agent to come to a team where there's no established culture. And that's again where it's important that you've got to get like a really good owner that hires the right people. Do you guys know how many games Raymond Felton played for the 2018 Thunder? <laughs> I thought we were done with Raymond Felton. <laughs> just give it, just give it to me. Just 2018. Age 33, how many games did Raven Felden play for that Thunder team? They won 48 games. Is this his first year with this, the Thunder or the second year? His first. Is that the Westbrook MVP year? No, it's the year after that. They won 48 games. Uh-huh. They have like Paul George and Carmelo. It's that whole thing. 41. All 82. Every single night. <laughs> Raven Felden came off the bench and played 16 and a half minutes a game. Every take- day. I take back all <laughs> Felton's slander. He should have been an all-star, goddammit. Raymond all-star Felton. Stuff. Actually, God, Raymond Felton comes in at 581 in the Matrix. Not too bad. Top 600 player, Raymond Felton. Yeah, uh, he's like five spots ahead of Udonis Haslam, uh, like three spots behind Elvin Campbell. Okay. That's about right. Yeah, yeah. When I heard that number, I was like, "Man, that's so high!" And it's like right around Udonis Haslam. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that seems it's, about right. It's crazy how NBA history like balloons outwards because, like, the '60s, you know, you only had these eight teams, and the rosters were pretty stagnant. Like, you didn't have guys coming and going. Um, but this last season, because of COVID, there were almost 700 players that played. Like. The NBA just has more and more players that get like cups of coffee as the league gets bigger and bigger. So what what yeah. what you're saying to make it mathematical, Nate, is you're saying that the league is expanding at a an increasing the rate at which the league is expanding is increasing. Yes, the rate exactly. at which the player pool is increasing is cre- is increasing. Exactly. <laughs> well, is that all for expansion? Does anyone else have any uh, ideas? Because I. I put a plug out to the TikTok audience and asked for a couple of questions. And we got a few good ones. I'm, I'm actually happy That's about great. this. I'll just say one thing on convincing the other owners to let their players go, like to let their players be taken by not protecting too many players. Give them some sort of financial compensation. Like if you get a player taken, you know, there's bam, just, you know, 10 million off your cap and your tax that you don't have to pay. I mean, you don't have to pay their salary. So if you just don't protect Bam out of bio, yeah. like. But you've got to, like, you've got to replace them still. Or maybe yeah. you get, like, a, a trade exception or, like, yeah. a, a roster exception for the for the value of their contract or cap slash tax relief to the value of. Yeah. I say just, get, just do away with it and let them use the full salary cap to sign players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that could also be cool. And with contracts as short as they are. Mm. And it'd be interesting too to see like which direction they go. Like maybe one team is like, okay, we're going to try to be good right away. Just tries to sign all the best players. And then one team's like, we know we're not going to be good. We're just taking flyers on all the restricted free agents. We're getting all the young guys. We're going to suck, but one of these guys is going to hit. Yeah. I think we're good in expansion. We're good at Raven Felton. We've hit all our bases. All right. Let's, let's well, get the TikTok questions. I want to stick with this this energy we've had. The vibes guy from Nick. What reforms do the NBA need to make to awards and all NBA? That's a good question. What reforms? I don't know if they need to make any reforms. 
I, I like how it is for the most part. I think you should maybe not let Boston as like a city vote in Marcus <laughs> Smart for defensive player of the year because they had like 30% of the market share on voting. Yeah, they do. Part of me loves like the idea of the players voting for MVP again. Yeah. But at the same time, the inconsistencies in the media voting for the NBA teams and the MVP award going to the players is a little ridiculous. I don't know. I love it because in my mind, like I kind of really liked those '60s era where you know the media was like, "Hey, it's 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 Wilt. Wilt is the best center. He gets the All NBA first team center." And then the players being like, "No, we're seeing something different than you. Bill is kicking our asses. Bill is the MVP." And I, I think that would be kind of nice to have that. I mean, we probably have the differentiation where Jokic doesn't win this last MVP, um, but he takes all NBA first team center. And just like history books, it's it's kind of cool to see that difference in my mind. I actually have a good one. And it's not necessarily with the words. It's with the scoring title. Scoring title should be most points. And I think we've argued about this before. And Nate, I think mm. you disagree with me. I think for the average fan, just off of this Picture a twelve-year-old kid sitting there and being like, "Steph Curry has a hundred more points than the next guy." That's cool. But you look at it and he's like, "Curry's averaging twenty-eight point three points, and you know LeBron's at twenty-seven point nine. That means nothing. You have no idea how many games that takes. You have no idea how many points that takes over those games. The scoring title, there's no like." There are races to it, but you need the media to be like, "By the way, this is how many games and how many points." Like this takes to to become the number one scorer in the league, and I think just straight up, who scored the most points? When I say like that takes away from injury, like yeah, like whoever whoever scores most points is a scoring title. Damn it! Like that's how it should work. <laughs> I have a more complicated answer. <laughs> you know when you're in college and the professor's like, "Hey, you get to drop your lowest two quiz grades or lowest like test or something." I yeah, want. Yeah. I want the scoring title to be based off of a 70 game average. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and if you play 75, you drop your five lowest scoring yeah. games. <laughs> so you get that chance to have the makeup. You know, hey, you go out and play the first quarter and you tweak your ankle. You don't need to keep playing to like try to keep those averages up. You're just like, all right, I got to play another game in the back end of the season and we'll drop this one. It's one of, be low, one of my lower scoring games. Can you? Can you imagine if, like, in baseball, if it was, like, home runs per game was the home run title? Do you know how stupid that is? Why do we do this? No no other sport does this. Like, except for, I was, like, batting average in baseball, but that's literally batting average. It's not, like, touchdowns per game. Or it's not even yards per game for who threw the most yards. It's the most yards. It's who threw the most yards, not per game. I'm I'm going insane. You don't like my my per seventy where you get to drop these, so that way we we maintain the averages, but also like have a minimum requirement that starts to hurt people. I'm interested. I just I wanted to with the average. Carmelo Anthony has a scoring title. He has one scoring title in 2013, and he plays in 67 games, and he's just. I think he's pretty far short from the most points scored because it's Durant. I'm just, I don't want to, I don't want to do anymore. I'm, I'm done watching basketball. See, Kobe and T-Mac had the same thing when I was growing up uh, and I was a big Kobe guy and one of my buddies was a big T-Mac guy. So like I've been arguing for averages for so long, but I will say this last year broke me. I, I think we at least need to raise the minimum games because like right now it's at like 53 to be like qualified. 
whatever That's LeBron had, way he missed too it by low, two. way too yeah. low. Whenever they got to that conversation where it was like, well, if LeBron plays in the next game, who win the scoring title? I'm like, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. Like he shouldn't be able to sit check in. I think it was against the Thunder on the last game of the year and be like, I'm the scoring champ now. Embiid had the scoring title. He played in 68 games. This is a travesty. This is the biggest. This is this is a <laughs> hell with the expansion. Hell with the with the. Um, with the in-season tournament, fix the scoring title. Or, or hear me out on this, scoring titles just don't matter. No, they do matter. But I think in the same time, I think you should cap it at maybe at maybe 82 games because there is a chance for players. Maybe 80 games because players can get traded and play in extra games. But I don't think the scoring champ is going to get traded very much. So you're embracing my idea of the 70 games and you get to drop your two lowest. I, I want the other way. I want the top down. Okay. All right. Well, just so you know, you've just awarded Trey Young his first scoring title, followed closely by DeMar DeRozan. He scored the most points. That's nice. How would you guys feel, going back to the All-NBA Awards, of doing something like one center, two wings, a point guard, and a wild card? There was a brief time in the early NBA where they didn't have positions. It was just five players. Yeah. Just to think about. Mm. I think I like it. Having the positions like guard, guard, forward, forward, center, or maybe just guard, guard, forward, 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 you know, backcourt, backcourt, frontcourt, frontcourt, frontcourt. Um, if you're going to call them teams, like I wouldn't mind you going positionless if you're just like, here are the top 10 players this year and it's just a list. They are teams, so. Yeah. I, that's but the yeah, thing. They're, they're teams, so on like reflecting, you know. Another yeah. thing to consider, and it was something, and this is a, probably a good answer to this question, reforms to the award voting. Gotta fix the positional voting. Decide oh, what yeah. position Giannis plays. Decide what position Embiid plays. And if they aren't, Embiid's not a fucking forward, so don't list him as that. He's never played forward in his life. He's gonna be a center. Because mm-hmm. guys are, are losing out. I don't know the actual numbers on it, but can lose out on these on first team on BA or second team on BA because they're getting their votes split in half by position. Yeah. And also it's cheating. Like if you're going to have positions, then like you can't have a guy that never plays that position be eligible for that position. Like Jokic never plays power forward and DeMar DeRozan never plays shooting guard. Like that's a center and that's a power forward. So they should be eligible at those positions. I think the reason that I like the positions is like as much as for historical ranking, you want to know who the five best guys are. I think there's also some value in being like, this guy is one of the two best guards this year. Or this guy was like, you know, a second tier of guard. I think there is value in those positional rankings. And if you're just screwing up the positions, then you lose all of that. All right. Then can we at least do better with positions? Because I'm going to get you name. Someone's getting arrested in this podcast. <laughs> Well, I, I just I just want them to do better with positions in the fact that like what is the difference between some guys being a two or being a three like the the shooting guard small forward divide is so slim the the small forward to power forward divide for some guys is so slim like what was LeBron last season LeBron played point guard center like you know I do think we need to have some flexibility but the way the NBA currently does it whatever position you get the most votes at, you become locked in that position. So like if Embiid gets, say there's 100 votes and Embiid gets 51 votes as a center, doesn't matter if he's got the second most All-NBA first team votes. If Jokic has more all like he could still be number two with the second most vote points because he's locked in at center as opposed to being a forward. 
Yeah. Um, and we saw that cut Chris Middleton from the the third team a few years back because he had more votes than the next guard, but he had more votes at forwards. So I, I would say if you've got someone that's a tweener on the positions, just put them wherever works best. I want the best team um, based on the end votes, not necessarily where he got the most votes. Yeah, I'll, ju- I'll, just, I'll just get rid of being eligible at multiple positions. Like there aren't that many guys that play, you know, guard and forward. It's not that common. I think we crushed this question. Well done, guys. What's the, what's the next one? The next question that I really like is whose legacy will be most affected by this up- upcoming season? Who's asking this question? I need to know. It's very important. Gay for Jordan Carter. All right. Shout out Jordan Carter. <laughs> no, no. This person's gay for Jordan Carter. We're shouting out. Okay. Glad we could... Uh... I'm not. I'm not gonna ask that next time. <laughs> There's a reason why I read some names and reason why I don't read some names. <laughs> Whose legacy is most on the line? I, I do just want to say that one of my other listeners, who's the JJ Reddick fan account, um, suggested Westbrook. That if Westbrook has a good year, it could be really redefining for his legacy. Yeah. 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 I agree. For everything I've said on the videos, where he might be out of the league next year. But if he can come back and redefine his role and uh, actually be productive, that really changes. It's more like what well, the Lakers were a dumpster fire and it actually mm. wasn't his fault, which it totally that that's in the cards where that team was so sure. like horribly bad that no one could have succeeded. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to go for top five all-time point guard Chris Paul. And like if he has another season where he gets hurt or doesn't perform well in the playoffs – then like this is probably his last year of being a really good player, and like that will be his legacy as like a you know a poor playoff performer who never won a championship. But if he can have like a really good run and like maybe even get a championship, I think that like totally redefines him. In the same way that it did for for Kyle Lowry, who was spent his whole career being a playoff choker. He had one good run, won a championship, and like all is forgiven. Like he's now an all time great player. Yeah. I think with Paul, it's a little unfair because he's good as he's going to be 37. Yeah. And now we're asking him, all right, man, like show us what you got, like win a championship. Yeah. Well, I think, that, I think that it's not necessarily like this is the make or, you know, like this is going to determine it either way. I think it's more like it is being determined in one way and this is your chance to, to snap that. Like your legacy is going to be playoff choker, playoff underperformer, not a winner regular season player unless you can snap that and like one championship one good run is enough to in most cases just override all your previous years i i feel like there's there's the guys who have already built a legacy there's the lebron if lebron wins this he now has five rings the him jordan debate is real close at that point um you know does it flip there's the Giannis. if Giannis wins this he's probably the second greatest power forward of all time now he might already be in some people's eyes. That's a real tight cluster with him, Dirk, KG, Carl, and um, Charles Barkley. But like, if he wins, Bob Pettit, Bob Pettit, don't forget Bob Pettit, Bob Pettit, Bob Pettit. Um, but if he wins, that that conversation's over. Um, Curry, if Curry wins, the him and Magic conversation's over. If KD were to win on his own, um, that would be I think top ten player. Yeah, absolutely. They had a base. Like all of a sudden, he's a knocking on Larry Bird's door as the second best small forward ever. And you're like, ah, it happens fast. To be fair, also Kyrie getting a chance to win um, a- after everything would be 
like like there's guys that have already built a legacy and are in the top 150 conversation that this helps propel them forward. Um, and then there's guys like Jason Tatum, Jokic, and Embiid who, if they win, they go from being like a Tracy McGrady, Carmelo Anthony type of like one of the peak players in the league who never won anything to now the question becomes how high can they climb? Can they get top 20? Can they you know, really establish themselves? Can they win multiple? Uh, I think that's kind of the dividing line in my mind. I have a good one. Oh? James Harden. Mm. A lot on the line. Really bad last season. Just kind of just one of the worst playoff performances I've ever seen. The numbers are like shockingly bad just at the end of that Miami series where they're like, this guy's given up. I can't tell if he's hurt or he's given up. Or he's been he's given up for two years. He's been hurt for two years. Um, if he can bounce back and, and be one of the ten best players in the league, like he's been so consistently, that changes a lot of stuff. That it puts him into you know, is he going to be a top twenty player when he retires? Can he be into the top fifteen if he can age well? I think if he has a really good season and they win, like if he's if he's a driving force behind them, it's not like Embiid balled out and carried them there. It's it's him either one or one. B, 1A, 1B. Um, I put him overweight. I think it's close right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I if, he, if he does that, wins a chip, I have no problem theoretically seeing how that goes. Sounds good. So, uh, gay for Jordan Car- Carter. I hope this makes you happy. I hope Jordan Carter reciprocates your love. Can I look up that name to make sure we're not like, saying this is not like a bad thing we're saying? <laughs> the guy's profile picture is a clown. It's kind of scary. Oh, it's, me. It's, uh, it's Playboy Cardi. That's his real name. What? That's his real name. It's Playboy Cardi, the the rapper. Interesting. Oh. That's his that's his real name. I didn't know that. All right. Okay. Shout out to um, Cardi. Makes sense now. All right. What's our next anonymous question? <laughs> uh, from Saul. Well, it's just kind of a nice one. Hey, who are you guys' all time top five? It's a good question. Like favorite or or great? I think I think he means great. But you guys want to do both great and favorite because I feel like great. Is something that Aaron and I talk about a lot. I, I'm mm-hmm. interested to get your takes, Dylan. We might all be like in pretty close agreement. I think it's like Jordan, LeBron, um, Kareem, Russell, and probably Magic. I guess. Aaron's yeah, like that's, exact, exact that's exactly five. what we all have. Do you guys, do you guys think I, we actually know what we're talking about, or if it's just this insane <laughs> echo chamber we've locked ourselves into? I actually have Shaq as my fifth over Magic. Wow, so I'm, I'm different. <laughs> That's right, you do. Uh, is it you see you like that on your matrix now? He's really yeah, good at I, basketball. Yeah. Shaq is just one of the most dominant forces. I think I think when you really dig into this and discuss it a lot, um, that's kind of where you end up. I think also we're kind of the prime age for that to take. Um I, I'm leaning closer and closer to LeBron over Jordan every season. Um just just the longevity. I'm not quite there yet, but I think he's. I think it's real close. Um, like they, even if they don't win it this year, but like if they make the finals, I, I might be enough for me to put put him over Jordan with just everything we've seen. Um, I'm comfortable with it. I, I think it'll just happen in time. I actually, I actually feel the opposite. Really? Yeah. Really. I, I think I think that Jordan is just so locked in now. Like the game is is so different, and like he's being established as the best player. And I don't think LeBron will pass him. And then I think it'll be like, I don't think it's likely that there'll be another player that comes along and has the same level of dominance. And so I think Jordan is probably like pretty firmly locked in. You have to win a lot. 
people have asked me, do you think like Luca has goat potential? Do you think like Giannis can be the greatest player of all time? And my answer really is like they haven't won a championship yet. Probably not. Yeah, and and also they've like they've never been clearly the best player in the league. Like Giannis probably is, but it's not like it's not like you know he's he's dominant. I mean, like he he is dominant, but he's not you know so far above all of his other competition. Michael Jordan is basketball god for yeah like an eight year stretch where not no one really even comes close to him. Yeah. Like like yeah. Michael won his championships really late, but the the two three peats is something you can't bank on doing when you're like at twenty eight about. Um, but still, yeah, there's a thing where most players start winning their championships at like twenty seven. I think that's when Jordan did. Um, Giannis got his at twenty six. Um, but but like that's kind of like hey, athletic peak is like that twenty seven to thirty. <laughs> And then 30 to like 34 is when you've got kind of that old man game mm. um, to, to keep winning. It's just so wild. And I really wish we had gotten to see those two lost year, year and a half of lost years. Here's from him. They thrashed the, the Rockets. They take it away. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't, I don't know if that's for sure. And those Rockets teams are very good. but and, and Michael does come back in 95. They lose to the Magic. So, Well, and part of, part of Michael's return that I think is really underrated is how the salary cap was structured. The Bulls got to replace him, got to fill his salary, got to sign other players. Um, and then he came back and they signed him to a deal above the tax. So like they they were able to fill out the roster. They brought in other good players just to kind of do that. And then got to add him back like he took a siesta. Um, and at the end of the first three, Pete, they were kind of breaking up. Horace Grant was going to leave. They were struggling to find rebounders. Um, I don't know if they get the second three-peat if he sticks it through, but I also kind of wonder what if. Could could they have an eight-peat? Could could we be looking at Celtic 60s? Um, I think what we got is is a case for number one, but the lost time is going to hurt Jordan. Yeah. Like Jordan, what, what is Jordan? Fifth all-time in scoring right now? Total He's points? by far the best scorer of all time, at least in my opinion. The 10 straight scoring titles is something. He's averaging 30 a night, and, and the teams yeah. are averaging like 90 a night. He is responsible but for just Aaron. so much offense. <laughs> Aaron. What? Weren't you just here telling us about total points? I was I, saying I think he's... He's four <laughs> highest points per game, right? He's highest points he per game. And I want to like know... points per game or something? Korea? Yes. He's he's yes, like point but... one ahead of Will. I'm curious um yeah. where he how many scoring titles he would have had if they did do total points, because I haven't looked into that. Uh still a shit ton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So he gets another one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We can we can stop that there. What's the next question? <laughs> that that's all that I had for this one. That's perfect. That was great. I like that section. We should do that more often. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, any other takes for the upcoming uh, season? We're we're in September. Basketball is not that far away. Getting close. We're gonna have actual real basketball to talk about, not just like hypotheticals. <laughs> all right. Well, Aaron, where can they find you? Hospital chairs on TikTok and make basketball videos. Dylan, where can they find you? Defending Jakob Prudel and Aaron's comments. <laughs> and y'all can find all of us here at the Hoops Temple Podcast. Thanks for listening. 